I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Baseball Money is Fake on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to get started today. Welcome to Baseball Money is Fake, fantasy baseball podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. As always, I am Blake Meyer back for a Thursday episode. And this one's going to be a little different because Ryan ain't here. Ryan went on a little Memorial Day weekend vacation. Good for him. I wish I knew what a vacation felt like. But it's okay. The show must go on. And with me for today's episode, I do have friend of the program and returning guest, Gary Sheffield Jr. How you doing today, man? Blake, what's up? I know you're a little down with the <laughs> with the Mariners and... I guess I'm in kind of in the same oh, yeah. spot as a Yankees fan. We're doing a lot better than the Mariners right now. I know we talked about it 30 and 21, but but yeah, I'm ready to talk some Mariners baseball. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Mariners baseball is my favorite topic. And if we're going to get right into it, I got to talk Bobby Miller because he just threw another absolute gem yesterday. Uh, six innings. Was it six innings, three hits or four hits? Excuse me. There are two hits. What am I talking about here? Six innings, two hits, one walk, six strikeouts. Uh, he became the first pitcher since 1901 at least to go six or more innings in their first five games and allow five or fewer base runners. And I was listening to – I listened to some other fantasy baseball podcasts and things throughout the week. Uh, I don't remember the stat off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure they said something along, along the lines of like uh, – the only other people that have gone like five straight games like that recently are like DeGrom, Cole, Verlander, Scherzer, those kind of guys have had five game streaks like that, but that's for their entire career. Bobby Miller has done that for the first five games of his career. Like not just like he's not five years in and all. He just had a cool five game stretch. That's how he started his career. I was a little worried at the start, just because uh, he's not missing bats the way I wish he would miss bats or the way some right. of the metrics say he is. But that fastball is disgusting. It's got 21 inches of run on it, which is absurd. He's got a crazy overhand delivery. Uh, do you think Bobby Miller can keep something like this up? Or do you think they're going to catch up to the 70%, 70% fastball usage at some point? No, I mean, I would assume that they're going to catch up to it at some point. But that doesn't mean that that's a terrible thing. It, people are going to be human beings, and it's not often that guys put up those type of numbers consistently. So there's no real reason to have that expectation for them. But for the Seattle Mariners fans and their team's sake, and this is the good news, I expect their lineup to get a lot better as the season goes on, especially with guys like Julio, who's their best player. We expect him to be Julio. It's the reason they mm -hmm. gave him the extension in the first place. Sometimes these prospects and they can pitch higher than expectations, maybe. And if they can do that, I know 
off air, you mentioned that the Seattle Mariners pitching war, I think it was number one all time right now. Yeah, it's on pace to be. So if you can have something like that happen, all you're doing is buying an offense time. Guys like Ty France, Julio Rodriguez, these guys, and, and we're seeing Jared Kalanick come into his own. If all these guys can get clicking all at the same time, you don't need a Bobby Miller, some guy to show up in the big leagues and dominate from start to finish. You don't really need mm-hmm. that. So allow the starting rotation to really carry the load right now. And once that's over, the lineup's got to show up at some point. I mean, we're like a third through the season. So I expect Seattle to start hitting. I do too. And they're they're making active changes along the way to kind of fix the weaknesses that they had. I mean, coming into the year, I was excited about Colton Wong. I thought Colton Wong was going to be like a legitimate. He's supposed to be a platoon with Dylan Moore. That got messed up by Dylan Moore's injury. So Colton Wong kind of got thrust out there in an everyday role. And the problem with that was Colton Wong just can't hit his way out of a paper bag in Seattle. But like we also talked about off air, Seattle's the hardest place for a hitter to hit in baseball uh, by stat cast metrics. Right. And so it's not unexpected. A lot of people want to crucify a lot of players that come to Seattle that can't hit like Jesse Winker last year, Uh, but it's not entirely their fault. I mean, it's partially their fault. I think they're pressing a little bit, trying to they're on a new team. They want to make an impact, especially on a team like Seattle that just broke the playoff drought last year. Well, Frazier didn't hit either. Yeah. Frazier didn't at all. And now he's got six home runs and six stolen bases in Baltimore. Exactly. So like sometimes, sometimes, the environment really does. I can't say it dictates how you perform, but at the very least it can get in your head. You can start to say, okay, maybe I can't leave the ballpark the same way I can here in Seattle as I did in Cincinnati. Well, for some hitters, they need to feel dangerous at the plate. Some guys, it doesn't affect guys like Julio Rodriguez. They know they can leave the ballpark to right field down the left field line. They can stay within themselves and really, they can really, put up damage as a Seattle Mariner. They don't have to worry about it. But mm-hmm. some of those guys that you want to call a complimentary piece, like the Frasers and the Colton Wongs, which I didn't think Colton Wong was going to be very good this year. I thought it was just an okay signing. I thought Seattle was just yeah. okay this offseason. But at the same time, it didn't seem like, unless they were going to go sign like a Trey Turner, which I would have loved in Seattle. Uh, I know I was Thank mentioning you. that earlier this offseason. But mm-hmm. the free agent class this past season and this offseason are really not that strong. There's not too much talent. So when you're talking about developing, it's going to be really important to develop these guys and figure it out. And Seattle's done that with their rotation, but it's time right now for them to figure out a way to get some bats at the at the system and, and put them in the lineup from their system. Because if not, I mean, you're waiting on Colton Wong to hit. I mean, yeah. I don't expect Colton Wong to hit. Maybe other people have higher hopes for him, but... It's just not in it's not in me right now. Have you signed up for Edge Boost yet? If not, you're missing out. Edge Boost is the world's first bet now pay later Visa card. Similar to buy now pay later programs, Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest and pay back the advance over four equally equal weekly installments. That's right, 0% interest. Simply deposit funds into your account and Edge Boost will match the deposit so you can use two times the funds on any legal sports betting site. Edge currently offers up to $2,500 in advances. You can up to $2,500 you can add to your bankroll. So go to sportsgovernpodcast.com slash edge to sign up today. That's sportsgovernpodcast.com slash edge. Must be 21 years or older to use. Only valid in legal gambling states. Problem gambling? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
Yeah, I don't blame you. And I think it's not in like Scott service or Jerry DePoto either because they have Jose Caballero, who they called up, who doesn't seem to get a lot of coverage. I mean, I don't know if he gets much coverage nationally. In the Seattle area, he does not get enough coverage. Uh, he's taken that second base role. Mm-hmm. And he's been electric. Like a lot of, I like a lot of the stuff he does. Like he is one of the one of the hitters that kind of games the pitch clock a lot. Like he'll right. he'll uh, get himself set. Like if you quick pitch him, he'll get himself set in the box, and he just stares at the plate until there's eight seconds left. He doesn't care if the pitcher's ready. He likes to make the the pitcher and catcher wait, which is not something you see from a guy that's 26 and getting like his first legitimate shot in yeah. the big leagues. But he's hitting 350 in May right now. Like he's playing every day, hitting 350, two doubles, two home runs. So not like crazy power. And right. like if you want to, if you want to equate it to fantasy value, he doesn't have a ton of fantasy value, but he's getting on base a lot, and he's just electric. And me and Ryan talk on the pod a lot about how, as ridiculous as it sounds, kind of the vibes do play a, a play a little bit into production of baseball. Like if you're if you're feeling good, you're playing good, and if you're playing good you're putting up big numbers. And so you gotta, you gotta be exciting. You gotta have that little bit of a spark. You gotta be able to ignite the lineup a little bit when you get the chance and guys like him. He, I mean, I don't want to say he's going to replace Colton Wong, but he could. So we'll have to see. I think he definitely can. And, and another thing about the Seattle Mariners is sometimes I believe it's Logan Gilbert tonight, right? Yes. Yeah. So Logan Gilbert's starting tonight and that's obviously a great thing. And, I'm actually pleasantly surprised that he's gotten off to a decent start this year because normally that sophomore season is a little rough Mm -hmm. and Logan Gilbert is, is really, he really looks good. So for me, it's just like a lot of times these teams that you say, okay, they weren't a contender this year, but they're knocking on the door. Sometimes there's pressure for those organizations. A lot of times people just assume that everyone's going to get better when, Sometimes you have outlier performances. I felt like Seattle had a lot of outlier performances from Marco Gonzalez, who we talked about off air. Marco was production wise. He was a lot better than what people think he was. He just didn't have crazy stuff, which a lot of people who don't watch the Mariners, they wouldn't know that because you see Mm -hmm. 91, 92 and you think this guy can't possibly get anybody out, but he does. Mm -hmm. And now that he's kind of on his way out, he's gone. Seattle has to realize that, we need to punch through again. We can't just assume that we're going to get better, that we're going to punch through in the AL West. You can't make those assumptions because winning a division, especially a division now, which we just said how much better it is right now. Yeah, Anaheim is not terrible. Yeah. They're not bad. And sometimes winning divisions, you need some help. And I don't know. I, I Let me check. I want to check their record right now. So I know Seattle... So we're sitting there looking at them. I mean, right now they're 25 and 24. That's not terrible. I mean, we're we're yeah. not far along on the season. Seattle can turn this thing on in no time. I know the Yankees were like a 500 baseball team maybe a week and a half ago, and now they're like 30 and 20. So things can turn around really quick, especially when you have guys as talented as Julio Rodriguez. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like Seattle just has to stick with it. Their rotation's keeping them afloat. Their offense should be there. I think they've got the talent. Even with guys without guys like Colton Wong, I think they've got the talent offensively. As long as Kellenic can continue what he's doing, I don't think they're going to have a problem, to be honest with you. I think they's going to outrun Anaheim and Houston's still an issue, but I think we're again looking at wild card, and that's okay. 
Yeah, I, I love that you brought up Jared Kelnick before I did because we have like a running joke. I've mentioned Jared Kelnick's name. This is episode 78, and it's been like 78 episodes. Yeah. So it becomes a thing every episode to see when I can kind of sneak his name in, and you beat me to it this time. So that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, Kelnick's been playing out of his mind. And I know like brought in AJ Pollock to platoon with him, and he seemed to take that personally, which is weird because last year when they talked about platooning him, he had – there my ring light. That's cool. Uh, he had a, like just kind of got in his feelings last year. Uh, but the thing with Kelnick this year, uh, I was not expecting my ring light to go out. The thing with Kelnick this year is um, there's a lot of things that he did before the season that didn't really get picked up by like the national news and all that, that sort of thing. Uh, if you were in the Seattle area, the hype around Kelnick really shot up coming into the year. Obviously, he had the big spring training, which everybody knew about. But kind of the right. biggest thing that he did was before this year, Kelnick was very closed off to getting uh, help or anything from anybody. He didn't care who you were, any of that. He knew what he was doing. He was going to work his way through it. This year, he made it, he took it upon himself to kind of open himself up to actually everybody is what I heard. Like uh, we have a radio show here. It's uh, Chuck and Buck. I listen to it every day when I go pick up the kids. Uh, Bucky Jacobs used to play for Seattle back in the day. Uh, and there was uh, a time in spring training where Jared Kelnick and Buck were meeting up before every spring training game so that Jared could pick his brain. Just some random, I mean, Bucky Jacobson was cool. He, like he was an okay hitter back in the day. He wasn't right. like, otherworldly, yeah. but Jared Kelnick is picking his brain every day in spring training just to get tips. And it's paying off. Like he's fallen off a little from that insane pace he was on to start the year but like his expected batting average is still like 290 his expected slugging right. is in the 600s so he's playing excellent baseball and we just need everybody else to kind of pick up their game you don't even have to play out of your mind like just pick your game up a little bit be average and let guys like kelnick guys like cow i fucking love big dumper guys like big dumper Ty France, when he's healthy, he's I think he's unavailable today because I think he got hurt yesterday. So we'll have to see how that plays mm -hmm. out. But let guys like that kind of pick up the slack and the manners are going to be OK. But there's one person I want to transition to from this. We talked about him in the off, or in the offseason when you came on. I think he came on back in I think it was December. Man, it's been like 40 episodes since you came on. Uh, Aaron yeah, I think Judge. it was December. Yeah. Yeah. We talked Aaron Judge. You told me how uh, your buddy Ryan Spader had heard about the, the juice baseballs. And that sort of thing. We expected a little bit of a decline in his power numbers this year because obviously the juice baseballs got leaked to everybody. So there was no way in hell they were going to juice the baseballs this year. Yeah, no way. And, and now he's on like the same exact pace that he was on last year through the same amount of games and at bats. Is he yeah. going to hit 60 home runs again this year? Probably not. But I, I mean, it's just so hard to hit 60 home runs. I mean, there's a reason we only saw it a certain amount of time. So my expectation is he'll hit probably at 50. I mean, we're looking at an all-time great player. So mm -hmm. it's the reason why the Giants offered him all that money. And it's the reason why the Yankees matched. I mean, this dude is... If Shohei Otani wasn't in the league, if Shohei never existed, Aaron Judge probably would rattle off three or four MVPs in a row. That's yeah. how good he is. And it, it kind of just goes to show he's figured it out. And he's gotten so much better the last two years and people don't realize that they think it's just, Oh, he had a down year. He had an up year. No, Aaron judge was getting better. He used to swing at breaking ball after breaking ball. He really struggled with sliders away. He, 
He let the strike zone get to him and affect him down the stretch in games. Now he sees a bad call and he's like, I'm Aaron judge. I'm going to get you at some point. <laughs> and he keeps his head in these at bats. And to be quite honest with you, he's evolved his game to the point where he's completely and utterly dominant on both ends of the baseball. There's nothing else anyone can do unless you're pitching and hitting. So I'm just happy he's a Yankee. And it is quite literally the only reason why the Yankees, him in the bullpen is the only reason why they're in third place. Cause if not, it's a last place team. Yeah. You, uh, you guys' pitching is something else. Cause I remember, so I frequent like the fantasy baseball Reddit and things like that. So where I put a lot of my written work out there and a lot of people like to fire away all kinds of crazy like this, like to spout off to me because obviously, like you're the guy that writes baseball stuff. So let me tell you why I think you're wrong, type of thing. And last year there was something that came out before the season about the top ten uh, pitching rotations in baseball, and the Yankees rotation was like number three or something. And I had just commented like, "Oh, it's wild that like the Mariners didn't even get the ten spot." Because I was very high on the Mariners pitching staff mm-hmm. last year before the season. I said like, it's, "Oh, it's wild that they didn't get the ten spot." And then this guy, me and him went back and forth for like months, like. He was a Yankees fan telling me that I'm wrong, how the Yankees pitching staff is so good, how they're going to be good for years and years and years. Every time somebody, it would be like August, and uh, Garrett Cole would pitch like an eight-inning shutout, and he would comment on it like, oh, what's up with that? I don't know how they fell so far from grace to where they are this year. I guess Severino's been hurt, but Nestor Cortez, like what's going on there? Like what? What? What happened to the Yankees for their rotation to fall off this far? I actually think it's pretty simple. And it's because I'd say I came up with this conclusion being a Yankees fan and watching a ton of their baseball games is that really since like 2015, they had such a reliance on bullpen. And it's a great thing to have an elite bullpen. I think everybody wants a great bullpen. I mean, when like Munoz came up for Seattle, I think Mariners fans were pretty happy about that. Just mm-hmm. having people out there that we can like see walled, people that we can actually rely on down the stretch. But what the Yankees did was they said great pitching wins championships, but they didn't care whether or not it came out the bullpen or it came out their starting rotation. And in my mind, the Yankees starting rotation over the years has been excellent. But one thing that they were missing were innings. And Garrett Cole was a guy who would go get you innings, but the Nestor Cortezes of the world, the the um, Luis Severinos, They'd be hurt for a month or two, and then they'd come out and give you really a high ceiling. But that's a great thing to have a high ceiling, but you got to go get me innings. And in my mind, I can't say you're a top five rotation in baseball if I can't hand you the baseball and expect you to get into the sixth or seventh inning. I know baseball's changed. I know we're going into bullpens. But if a George Kirby gets the ball or a Logan Gilbert gets the baseball, I see a lot of the managers believing in these guys in the fifth and sixth innings to get big outs. But Mm -hmm. in New York, they let them go out through the first and second time through the rotation. And then after that, it's like, I don't really think this statistically is a good thing for the Yankees to keep you in the game. So they pull them. And I'm like, there's no way that you can give that, that mentality, the edge over a team where, I mean, you just compiled the Mariners are leading in war. How can you look Mm -hmm. at that rotation compiling up war, just piling up inning after inning? And then the Yankees can go out and give you four elite innings and you say that that's better. I don't see that. So to me, what's happening is that they're really not 
instilling confidence in these pitchers the way that other organizations are doing by leaving their starters in the game. So yeah, it, I personally, I think Seattle's rotation's better. I, I don't think it's close. And fortunately for the Yankees, they just have more offensive options with more money spent. So that's where their edge is right now. Would you rather have elite pitching with struggling hitting, or would you rather have elite hitting with struggling pitching? You know what? That's a tough question. Huh? What would I do? Would I rather have elite hitting? Or elite pitching. I'd probably say I would rather have elite pitching and hitting can get pretty streaky in the especially in the postseason. Mm -hmm. Guys like Marco Scudero have been all time great in the postseason. Brandon Crawford has been excellent in the postseason. Yadier Molina turns into a 300 hitter in the postseason. So to be quite honest with you, I don't think you need all-time great hitting to win in the postseason. I think you need proper approach. That's -hmm. what I think happens. And I don't think you need to hit the ball out of the ballpark all the time. But when you need pitching, when you have it, I think it gets you there. Great pitching gets you to the postseason. It really punches your ticket. And then once you get there, you just kind of have to hope that three or four guys, the Ty Francis, the the Julio Rodriguez that they just show up to play. They're hot. They're ready to go and they're taking good at bat. So I'll take pitching all day. Yeah. I I mean, I agree with that. Not just because I'm a Mariners fan and that's the boat that we're in right now, but I think it's arguably harder to find elite pitching than it is because anybody can look elite as a hitter in streaks. Like look at Joey Gallo. Like he right atrocious batting average. But you could take like a 10 game sample from Joey Gallo and he's hitting 400 with nine home runs in those 10 games, which is absurd. But for the year, he's going to hit 189. It's hard to find like solid, more than one solid pitcher, at least that's going to continually put up innings for you and limit hits. And like, I don't think, I mean, just to take it back to Bryce Miller for a minute, I don't think Bryce Miller can keep this up, but to be able to pull guys like that from the minor leagues up and have them produce at this level isn't a fluke. It's not maybe for one game, it can be a fluke, but for five games, there's obviously something to it. Like it's not a complete fluke. He might fall back down to earth a little bit, but I mean, the fastball is real and you need pitching, pitching wins championships, just like in football defense wins championships. You need pitching to win you championships. Uh, Do you think, Carlos Rodon is going to be kind of that uh, the person to take the Yankees to the next level if for when he comes back. I know he's supposed to start throwing off a mound soon at some point, but do uh, I, I guess I should say, do you think Rodon's going to make an impact this year? I think he's going to make an impact. I know right now he's throwing on the field, so I can't draw any conclusions about when he's coming back, where, how. I don't know. But Carlos Rodon, is, it's not just about talent, just the left-handed arm. Obviously, that's a two-headed attack with Garrett Cole and Carlos Rodon. I mean, mm-hmm. they're going to edge you out talent-wise with that one-two in most series that they play in. That includes against Houston, and that's a great thing. But the most important thing to me about Rodon, and this is the X factor, is his mentality. And the Yankees kind of need that right now. Like, how many guys in New York can you say that guy has fire? And I can't really name it for you. I don't know how many players on that team, like the guy who they brought in and he's more, he's less so a, uh, a a talent guy, but more of a, 
a glue and fire guy is Josh Donaldson. The dude's like 38 years old. (laughs) If the role of the fire from your organization is coming from a 38-year-old player on your team, to me, that's an issue. So I need a key contributor to be bringing the fire every day. And that guy could be Rodon. So I don't know if I believe in his health. I have no idea. They said his back is in pretty bad shape, but he should pitch this year, according to reports. Mm -hmm. But if he's healthy, I mean, the Yankees do have a chance. I don't see any dominant Major League Baseball teams this year that I'm afraid of. So if the Yankees can get into the postseason healthy, which I can't believe I'm saying that another year of this, but this year is like the first year ever where I'm like, okay, I'm not terrified of Houston. They don't seem they don't seem lights out the way that they mm-hmm. were before. So could Houston beat us in the postseason? Of course. And and you're seeing right there in the chat that Rodon as a reliever in the postseason could be game changing. Yeah. I mean, they I wouldn't say that they're gonna use him in that position because I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't think you pay a guy that level of money to use him like a Patrick Corbin in Washington. So I think right now. Just having a two-headed attack, as long as he's healthy, I think it gives New York a chance. All right, and we are brought to you by Shady Rays, which is teaming up with SGPN for Shady May. Not only do you get an amazing 50% off, you also have a chance to win $500. Shady Rays have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they tell us we'll send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. For our international listeners, Shady Rays has you covered as well. With shipping to Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the UK, go to ShadyRays.com and use code SGPN for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. And remember, May is almost over, so make sure to take your receipt to sportsgovernpodcast.com slash Shady for your chance to win the $500 Shady May contest. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I agree. I'm just curious to see when he comes back because I, I've been pretty vocal about being nervous about uh, was it the forearm and things to begin with because it flared up before the season and I've been pretty steadfast on the fact that I think it's a lot worse than they're leading on because the Yankees don't want to be that team that signed this guy that everybody questioned uh, can he stay healthy how many innings can he pitch and all that they don't want to be the team that signs him to this big contract and all of a sudden his arm's bad and he's going to miss the whole year so they're going to slow play it and they're going to say oh it's just it's soreness and then all oh, his back hurts a little bit. So he's got to stay in the IL a little more and then he'll probably I, I don't want to say probably because I don't want to wish an injury on anybody. But if they came out and said like, oh, he had a setback in his rehab and so he's going to be out another three weeks. I think they're going to that's a, like a realistic outcome 
they could just kind of slow play it. And all of a sudden we're going to be in July or August and he still hasn't started at the major league level yet, but maybe that's what he needs. Maybe it's not quite that serious and they're just trying to tread water until it gets later in the season and they can bring him in and he can be that game changing arm that maybe pushes them to the playoffs because yeah, a guy like him in the playoffs is going to be deadly. I don't think he'll be a reliever either, but I mean, if they did, I mean, I didn't, this feels like DeGrome, doesn't it? It it honestly does. And I'm not saying it will be, but we're sitting here talking about, okay, well, Rodon, he's not ready for the first part of the season. Okay, fine. See, long season, we'll be done with it. But if he can just get on the field, we're sitting here talking about him as a reliever option. How many pitchers have we ever seen play a X-factor level role in the postseason where they essentially had to manage his way health-wise through the season. I haven't. Not I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure there's a small list there somewhere. It's somewhere. But most of the time, the Strasburgs, the Patrick Corbins, the people who really go on runs and, and dominate in the postseason usually did it all year. Yeah, like Madison Bumgarner. Right. In his dominant postseason years, dominant all year, and then dominates in the postseason, the World Series, and all that. I think if he gets used as, like, I think if he does get used as a reliever for more than just, like, one appearance in the in the playoffs, that's a that's a negative. Like, that's not, that's not a good sign. Like, I know the Mariners used George Kirby in relief, like, to save a game last year in the playoffs, so I right. can't hate on him for that. It happens. Sometimes you do that. But they also used Robbie Ray. And that didn't turn out very well for the Mariners. So, it's no, that was terrible. Memory. I knew it was terrible right away. <laughs> so did I. I texted my brothers the second they put him in. I said, "We just lost the game." Oh, the game. My brother over. was like, "Why?" And I was like, I, "This is not going to go well. Like, the game's over." Uh, yeah, and it was it, almost a fireable offense. It really was, and the way they justified it. I mean, I guess it came out afterwards that Cal was the one that called that pitch or whatever, and they wanted the sinker inside, and Cal was pretty steadfast on that, but. Uh, like we had um, Nick Pollock from Pitcher List was on here last time he was on, and he told us how uh, the that Jordan Alvarez is the most successful against in his career is the sinker down and in. And so the fact that the Mariners not only called one, but they <laughs> called two sinkers down and in to Jordan, isn't that from a left hander? Is uh, it fucking hurts my soul, man, still to this day. Which uh, I don't know how you don't know a scouting report in a postseason game. I mean, it's all you do. Exactly. That's all you do is look at it. What's this guy hit? What's he not hit? What's he swing at? What's he not swing at? I mean, it, it's very clear what scouting reports are in terms of hitters. You look at cold zones, hot zones. What pitches do they hit? What pitches do they not? And you just don't throw them the pitches that they hit. And exactly. if you make mistakes, then you have to live with that. But you don't just deliberately throw them something that they are known to hit. So I don't get it. Off the top of your head, do you know what your dad's favorite pitch to hit was? Yeah, um, his favorite pitch to hit was actually a fastball that was down and in. He had that fucking disgusting swing. Like, that yeah. That makes sense. That makes absolute sense. Get a little under the ball. Uh, but, okay, I want to transition to the Mets real quick, because last time you were on, we did talk a lot about the Mets, and, like, everything that we said has come to fruition throughout exactly. the year. Exactly, yep. Which is... I mean, on the one hand, like, look at us. Like, we called that from December. But also, 
I kind of feel bad for Mets fans and things because this is not the season that they were having, they were hoping to have, but also I, I don't know what you expect when you sign Brandon Nemo to $160 million and think that that's like the right. crazy, exciting money that you spent. But the first thing I want to focus on them with is, so they have obviously their young core of guys that they're working on bringing up uh, guys like uh, Mark Vientos, uh, fucking Brett Beatty, who's turning things around. Francisco Alvarez, I'm thinking of a hundred things at the same time. They have a really weird approach to their prospects, though. They have these high-level prospects, power hitters, arguably all three of them are power hitters in the minors, and they get called up, but then they really slow roll their uh, injecting them into the lineup. Like Mark Vientos, for example, has played four of the eight games that he's been up and then just sat out the other four. Uh, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I was just going to say, does that seem no. like beneficial in any way at all no. for them to call them up like that? Or is that just a hindrance? No, it just it flat out does not make sense. It, it, there's no explanation for that. If Anthony Volpe was in and it was really up in the air, everybody mm -hmm. knew Volpe was a big leaguer, right? Everybody, oh, yeah. including everyone here in the chat, we all knew Anthony Volpe was a major leaguer. It was really just a matter of when. Well, if the Yankees ultimately decided, OK, he's breaking camp as a big leaguer. Once you've done that, you're establishing that whoever is at shortstop is not playing. It's now Anthony Volpe's time. You've established that by yeah. allowing him to make the team. He's now playing. That's just common sense. I think everybody understands that. So when you're bringing in a guy like Gary Sanchez, who's since been DFA'd, for what reason are those guys on the roster? If <laughs> yeah. you believe in a kid, he just has to play it. There's nothing else and if you don't think he's ready to play today send him to triple a for a short period of time let him play but you don't have a young player sit out four of eight games that just doesn't yeah. happen maybe if he plays eight in a row and he needs a little breather you give him two nights off fine but you don't sit here and say yeah you're just not our guy today but then tomorrow you might be that's just not a game you play with young kids and you saw it in seattle with kellenic these are young kids Kalanick, Jared Kalanick's yeah. 23 years old. They want to know that they're wanted. They want to know they're needed. And they want to know they're going to play and what their role is that day. So Vientos has absolutely no idea what he's coming into, really showing up to the field. So I think now he should be playing and the it should be clear for him and have an understanding of what he's doing. And my expectation is you should get some production out of him. Yeah, and like for fantasy purposes, I still think there is value there. I know... It was kind of a hot pickup when he first got called up, hit the home run in his first game. The four of eight games does kind of kill his value slightly just because the best ability is availability. And if you're not available, you can't, if you don't play, you can't put up fantasy numbers. So right. it makes it a bit difficult, but he is making, he's doing a lot of the things that me personally, when I evaluate players, like for fantasy purposes, at least uh, he's doing a lot of the things that I see that are green flags for, uh, production over the course of a year. Like when you give somebody a, a year's worth of at bats, like his average exit velocity. And if you take last year and this year, he's played 20 games at the major league level and his average exit velocity is 93 miles an hour. That would put him in like the 97th percentile in baseball. It's only yeah, a 20 a game thing. sample size. It's small, but one thing that transitions almost always from the minors to the major leagues is how hard can you hit the baseball? I mean, the contact right. may not always transfer but if you can hit a ball really hard at the minor league level or really hard in a small sample size at the major league level then you're 
almost always going to be able to hit the ball really hard. And so it's just a matter of him being able to get those everyday bats, get the confidence up, raise his launch angle slightly. It's very low. So if he can get that up a little more and hit a few more fly balls, that'll help. But I had a tweet the other day through his first two games. I think he had uh, five balls that he hit over 100 miles an hour in two games. There's like over 105 miles an hour there in you two go. games, which is absurd. So guys like him, there is still value there if you're in a deeper fantasy league. Uh, keep an eye on him. I would probably wait to get a little bit of news that he's going to play more regularly, like for sure set in stone before you add him in like a 12 team league, but dynasty league, he needs to still be on your roster. And then like Brett Beatty, uh, he was another guy, Jared Kelnick esque where he couldn't hit lefties. So you wondered if he was going to be able to figure that out or if he was going to end up being a platoon, he can hit lefties now this year. Does he feel like the third baseman of the future for the Mets for you? Um, that's actually like such a tough question, especially when you have an owner like Cohen, that's, mm. that's the hard part because just because you're going to be a good player for a long time, doesn't mean you have a role with a certain organization. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I really don't know because you would assume that, okay, let's just say in New York, you would assume John Carlos Stanton's role as the all time DH or left fielder is really set in stone. Well, Shohei Otani's a free agent this offseason. What happens if the Yankees just go out and get Otani? Well, you kind of lose your job. So when it comes to Beatty, it's like the Mets might want to try to get might try to get busy with like an Arenado deal. Who knows what's going on in St. Louis? Like you you really you don't know what Cohen's got up his sleeve because everything's gonna be aggressive. He's already established that. So one thing yeah. I try to be cautious on is when we talk about the contracts that are given out from Mets from Mets ownership and they're saying, well, we gave this guy 130 million. That $130 million contract is not the same as your organization giving them 130 million because usually <laughs> yeah. if the Mariners went out and give Cano 240 million, which is I think what it was, that means next year we're not going to spend 200 million on another asset even though mm-hmm. everyone here sitting here today says the Mets spent like crazy this past offseason and they're guaranteed to be in on Otani at $500 million. It's a lot. Yep. So the money yep. that they hand out, it's really all a matter of do we want to keep this guy or not because Cohen's going to go over the cap. He doesn't give a rip. He just doesn't care. So honestly, Beatty, I would assume he'll be there long term. I really like his game. He's not Jake Lamb. He can hit lefties. So mm-hmm. that's been established. And so I really like him. I don't see him as an issue in New York. I think they have plenty other problems and age is the number one problem. And yeah. I think they can fix that. I don't think it's unsolvable problem in New York. So I think Otani would be a pretty good solution over there in Queens. Yeah. And I have a feeling that there's at least a decent chance that happens because I it's hard to believe anybody's going to offer more than Cohen's going to offer. He's going to dig deep into those huge pockets he has, and he's probably going to pay Otani more than the Mariners have paid their entire roster. Did Just, you hear my prediction, by the way, on Otani? Let's hear it. He's still going to Seattle. Bro, don't tease me like that. I, we, I, he was supposed I to come here. It It's to me, it's between the Giants in Seattle. I don't think 
he went. I don't think he went to Anaheim for no reason on the West Coast. I really mm-hmm. believe he wants to be on the West Coast. That's what I believe. It's not about money. He's already the highest paid player in the big leagues today, not based on his contract, but based on endorsements. So money shouldn't be. It's still a factor, of course, but I don't think he'll hesitate to leave a couple dollars on the table from the New York Mets. I'm not saying he won't go there, but what I'm saying is if he wants to be in Seattle or if he wants to be a giant, I do think he'll leave a little bit of money on the table and make that happen. So my prediction was Seattle, but the way things shook out with Carlos Correa and, and uh, Trey Turner with mm-hmm. um, San Diego and all that and in that division, I think that the Giants and Mariners are going to be huge on Otani. I just do. And ultimately, my guess was that he was going to end up in Seattle. And I love that because so when he came over from Japan, I followed the whole tiny thing very closely. And we were like one of his two finalist teams to be here. And one of the main reasons he didn't is because he didn't want to go to a place that previously had a Japanese superstar that had made like a big impact. He didn't want to come and like outshine like Ichiro, for example. I think all it. Yeah. If I remember correctly, that's what it was like. He, it was like a respect thing for Ichiro. And I think all of that's out the window now with how things are. I know in the, I think it was spring training. No, it wasn't spring training. It was, uh, I mean, it was this year I was at the game. He met Ichiro in the outfield uh, at T-Mobile and did the whole like bow to him before the game. Seattle has a very, very, very large right. Japanese community out here. There's a lot of things that are enticing for him. And I think all of his reasons for not coming here before might be, I mean, I hope they're out the window. I wanted him to come here. I was devastated when he didn't come here initially because all the reports were that this is where he was coming. I mean, it it rains here a lot, so you got to get used to that. We get like 53 days of sunshine a year, which isn't really anything to brag about. But it's a cool spot if you stay outside of like downtown Seattle. Like I I think he would have fun out here. I hope your prediction comes true because that would make me such a happy baseball fan. That's a terrible reason. Yeah. That reason makes (laughs) no sense. I know it's well-intentioned, but to say you're not going to go play for the Seattle Mariners because you don't want to outshine Ichiro Suzuki, uh, with all due respect, Shohei Otani would be a thousand times bigger than Ichiro in Seattle. It's just what it is. He's going to be, if he ends up a Yankee, Giant, or Mariner, he will be the most popular athlete in baseball history. Yep. That is over and done with. His Giants... Mariners or Yankees or Mets jersey would be the highest selling jersey of all time. So I understand that you feel like you might be overshadowing Ichiro, but I promise you the way Ichiro sees it is it would be a huge honor for you to wear the same jersey I wore and I built an entire legacy out of. So I I think it would be awesome. And, you know, I don't know if he's going to change his mind on that. Who knows? Like, I really don't know. So I'm rooting for you guys. Man, I hope so, too. Uh, but, I mean, I think for right now, I think that's all we got for the episode. I appreciate you coming on, man. This is awesome. It's cool to have you back on here. I still got to beat you at the show. Let me get your dad's card first, though, so I can beat you with your with your dad in my lineup before we play against each other. Yeah, absolutely. Let me know, because I'm a I'm an absolute buzzsaw at MLB The Show. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Why don't you tell people where they can find you and what you got going on right now? Yeah, so you can find me at Gary Sheffield Jr. on all platforms, mainly Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. So 
And right now, me and my dad are in the process of getting our own podcast up and running. So that'll start sometime this year. And um, to all you Mariners fans out there, thank you for having me. Blake, thank you for having me again. And anytime. Yeah, I have been on my incognito grind. That's true. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, he's saying I have to go get my incognito grind. I'm already done with team affinity. So so uh, I think I'm beating everyone to the punch. Yeah, you beat me by like an absolute mile. I was excited last night because I pulled the uh, Aroldis Chapman out of the Diamond Duos pack. Oh, pretty, wow. I'm pulling a thing out of that. that. That's the only thing. Actually, no, I pulled two. I pulled that. And then uh, remember the game came out and I told you I pulled Otani on like the first day. I yeah, pulled another nice. Otani on like out of a <laughs> Diamond Duo pack like two weeks ago. It was wild. Like every time I pull somebody, I just pull them over and over and over. Uh, but yeah, you yeah. guys can catch me on Twitter at Balake, B-U-H-H-L-O-C-K-A-Y-E. Make sure you guys follow us on Apple, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to your podcast. We are everywhere. I think we're on like almost 30 different streaming platforms at this point. Uh, catch us on YouTube. We go live for every episode at Fake Baseball Money. Same on Twitch. We are on there as well. Fake Baseball Money. I think Ryan has an Instagram going for us. I don't know what the Instagram at is. It's my bad. Uh, and you can check us out on Discord as well. Just type sg.pn slash Discord into your browser. I think there's 4,000 or 3,000 people in the Discord. The MLB channel is jumping. All kinds of people on there all the time. I mean, I get up at 3 a.m. every day, and it's active at 3 a.m. So <laughs> always people to talk about baseball with. Gary, congrats on the uh, podcast coming. You and your dad, I will for sure be listening to that. And we will catch you guys next time. Yeah. Yeah.